Hey there, buddy. And hello, humans. Welcome to the Not A Robot DC Comics Review Show. My name's Josh. And I'm Anthony. On this podcast, we recap and review DC's latest comic books each and every week. Make sure you stop by our website, notarobotpodcast.com, so you can send in a show mail, just drop us a message, get us on Twitter, and access all of our Patreon content. And then even you can get early access to this show. Our Patreon will have more and more content as the show grows. Let me send a quick shout out to the Weird Science Comics crew for hosting us on their Patreon page. To get to check out all things Weird Science, head to campsite.bio forward slash Weird Science Comics and make sure you give their podcast and Patreons a peek. They've got some great stuff. Alright, now on to the show. This week we'll be reviewing Hawkman issue 26, Justice League Odyssey issue 23, Batman the Outsiders issue 15, Detective Comics issue 1025, Wonder Woman issue 760, Superman issue 24, Flash issue 759, Deceased, Hope at World's End issue 7, and Dark Knight's Death Metal issue 3. Alright, we're going to start things off with Hawkman number 26, which retails for $3.99. It's written by Robert Venditti, pencils by Fernando Passerin, inks by Eau Claire Albert and Wade Von Grawbadger, Colored by Jeremy Cox, and letters were done by Rob Lee. The cover was also done by Michael Jannon. Yannon, excuse me. There's no stopping the Lord beyond the void when he needs to feed, and he sets his sights on a new buffet, our universe. It'll take more than a fight for our heroes to bring their, their enemy to his knees. It'll take their very lives. That's right, in this issue, Hawkman and Hawkwoman will die. So the book starts out, with Adam Strange and the Adam, totally different Adams. <laughs> uh, Adam Strange and the Adam, and they're looking for the Hawks, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, but it takes up one page, and let me get right down to business. The Lord Beyond the Void has Hawkman and Hawkwoman trapped, and he's delivering quite the monologue. Um, honestly, this happens throughout the entire issue, to be honest. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he does. He never t- he never shuts up. Uh, but uh, here he lets the Hawks know that he was using them to power his gateway, but now he's going to use them to their lives, all of them, to power himself up to be a super god. So when we see him sucking the past lives out of the Hawks, and they're they're fighting really really hard not to give in and to hold on and, and not let him win. And that's when they realize that the energy from their lives is is actually a whole lot for one person to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been around for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, granted, this guy is supposed to be the Lord beyond the void, but uh, still, they they're they're their reasoning makes sense. Um, so that's the they decide to let him have it. Um, all of it, every past life that they've ever had, and then also their current ones. In trying to overload the Lord beyond the void, they sacrifice themselves and die. Uh, Adam and Stra- Adam Strange and the Adam arrive a little too late. Uh, they grieve for their lost friends. Uh, the people there from that planet told the uh, told them that the Hawks died as heroes, and that they did save them. And then we get a close-up of a really emotional Adam that acknowledges that the Hawks probably saved the whole universe. On the next page, we see Carter Hall and Shiara on miles and miles of skulls. Uh, 
uh, Shiara has her wings back. They're told that though Hawkman's debt was great in selflessly sacrificing themselves to save the entire universe, they've repaid that debt. They are allowed to die without reincarnation this time. He will finally just let them die. They don't have to go back. And and game we all know, yeah, a total game changer because Carter's tired. I mean, that's been a thing that's been going on with him for a long time. You know, he is tired of the reincarnations. Um, but together, them dying together, which isn't something that usually happens, uh, they they choose to come back one more time as a normal life. They're told that the years will be as days to you, but eventually you will perish. So I'm assuming that means that they're, there's lasting effects from this immortality and they're just going to age really slowly, um, but that they can be killed. Um, so that's what they choose. They're given one more shot at life without being eternal anymore. And they, and then they're told, I will now send you to the lifetime that you both hold dearest in your hearts. There, your last lives begin. And so we turn to the last page in the book to find out exactly when and where that is. And they've been transported to the headquarters for the Justice Society of America. Mm -hmm. The first book this week that showed them. This, this is not the only book that we've seen the JSA in this week, too. No, it's not, not the only, the only book, book that the JSS. No, it's not. Um, it is, uh, um, the next issue, by the way, is called Golden Age. But you're right. It's, it's, it's not the first thing. I have a feeling we're going to get a big comeback from the JSA. Um, like in the whole uh, company wide or just in this book wide? Not just in this book wide. I think that we're going to see them popping up in more books. We may even see a G, a JSA series. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I, I can almost guarantee that's going to happen after the reboot. Uh, what I'm thinking is we may actually get to see some uh, spinoff books. We might get to see a Dr. Fate book or a Wildcat book. You know, I mean, that, that those things are actually possible with this reboot coming. I can um, see at least one of those re reboots happening at least a, um, either many or maxi of one of those characters by the time um, Death Metal is over with, especially with the success of the Stargirl TV show and JSA yeah. is popping up in three books this week. Three books a JSA member has popped up in. That's not a coincidence. No way. Let's tell everybody what those three books are, just, just to ruin the surprise for them. Book number one is Hawkman. Book number two is The Flash. Okay. Book number three is Dark Knight's... No... It was in um, DC's Hope at World's End. DC, so yeah, there's so there there Did has been also in um Dark Knights though. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I know they memory did shot, though. It's a good thing that I write notes down for these comics <laughs> before I go to review them, or else I wouldn't be able to talk about them at all. I know that they showed a big part of it, like in last issue of um Death Metal. Yeah. So um. Back to the book, though. Uh, I think Venditti has killed it in this entire arc. Mm -hmm. um, from start to finish, uh, like we were talking about before we started the podcast, this is uh, this has been Hawkman at its finest. I've never been, I've never read a Hawkman this solid before, and truly enjoyed the book the whole time. Um, for this, there were there were some silly moments, but I really did get it. And for the story that we got, I think it so far has had a pretty good ending. Oh, um, yeah. 
this is an incredible change. Uh, we've, I don't know that we've ever been in a situation where they no longer owe Carter's debt or he no longer owes Carter's debt. Um, I don't think we've ever seen that before. So them, how is that going to affect them now that they can die? Um, how, how, I mean, uh, they could both get cut and stuff beforehand. You know, I mean, they were never resilient. They were never, they never had bulletproof skin or anything. So now, now they're, I mean, they've got no different than, than Wildcat, for example. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, so I wonder if anything's going to change with them is whether or not they continue as heroes, which I definitely hope they do. Cause I've got to see him do something with the JSA. And when we're actually going to see the first death. Yeah. Well, because their first, I mean, when one of them dies, that's, that's supposed to that's be it. it. That's it. So, I mean, and then like if Shiara goes first, holy shit, Hawkman's going to lose his shit. It's not, <laughs> it's not going to look pretty, man. It's definitely game changer, and I kind of wish we did see more of Hawk um, Girl throughout more of the series because she popped up in what when it was the um, Earth Three counterpart, I believe. Um, yeah, I think you're right on that. Uh, but she, uh, she's she's been kind of mostly separate from Hawkman. Um, you know, like uh, even going back um, throughout the you know, especially through the year of the villain and all that, she was with Marshall Manhunter. Yeah. You know, because well, this is a different um, Hawko. Yeah. yeah, which they introduced this one in um, that Justice League story arc. I had completely forgotten about that. Um, another thing that I'm really curious about at, uh, with that last panel of this book is what year are they in? That's a good question because they look mighty young. The JSA, the they all look none. None of them look aged at all. So are they back in the forties and fifties now? Definitely when we um review um Flash, I'm definitely wanna swing back to this um page to do a comparison between that J Garrick and this J Garrick. See how much of a difference do they look like? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Even uh going past the artistic differences. Uh all right, so my final score in this, I think that's about all I've got to say about Hawkman. Was there anything else that you had to say there? No, this is just a very quick book, too. Like this, I probably finished this issue in like about like eight minutes or so. It's a very quick read. Yeah, it was a quick read. But to me, it feels like uh, if it's a quick read and you still actually did reading, yeah. that's because it was a good story. Oh, yeah. Just because it's quick does not mean at all that like it was a bad story at all. Yeah. No, because that would ruin all of the deceased books, because I get through all of those in, like, just five minutes, you know what I mean? And Injustice, too, because I read just fast, like, oh, wow, this is great. Yep. But, um, alright, so for Hawkman, I am going to go with a final score out of nine, of nine out of ten. Excuse me. What did you give it? You know, with the odd, the story, and with the dialogue, I'm going to go with nine as well. I mean... I want to say it was a few issues ago in Hawkman. I wasn't digging the series, but thankfully it picked up. And definitely, I wouldn't... It's definitely got a lot better than when it was talking about the Shake character. But now that we're going back to where the story started from, from the beginning... Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. We we have to attribute that to being forced into a... I'm assuming being forced into a Year of the Villain tie-in. Mm, yeah, true. 
you know, and and that 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 did that threw the whole story off. But I mean, it did take them long to get back on track. No. Now, would you say that this book was worth was worth the price? A four dollars? Yeah, I would yeah. read this for a four dollar mm-hmm. book. Like I said uh, before the podcast started uh, to you when we were talking. Um, this is, or maybe I said it after. I can't remember. But uh, <laughs> but um, this is the first run other than other than the year of the villain tie-ins. And that can be said for the majority of the books that had that tie-in. Uh, it really messed them all up. It ruined a lot of books. So, I mean, other than that tie-in, um, I have enjoyed this arc from pretty much start to finish. Um, it's, it's just been, it's been done great. The, the art's been great. Uh, I give the whole damn arc so far a 9 out of 10. I mean, honestly, other than the maybe an 8 out of 10 because of the year. Um, I mean, there's only one page I had an issue with. That was just, um, when both of the atoms were coming down from the sky, it sort of looks as if the people there on the ground were like ants compared to um, Hawk. I mean, the um, atoms coming down, they look like giants compared to the people. Both um, Dr. Um, no, um, Adam Strange and Palmer. Yeah. Other than that, like the art, like it's the color is great, very detailed. Like, even the next page, when you see um, the atom started like cry mm-hmm. that was nicely done yeah i thought so as well i mean it's i mean that last page is just beautiful yeah um sit, them sitting there at the table and i mean wildcat's got his feet up i love it um this I, i'm telling you i'm just looking at it and there's not you can't you can't tell the age of really anybody other than jay garrick but jay garrick if you blow up on this, I've got a digital copy of it. If you blow up on this, you can, I mean, it just looks like a really young Jay Garrick. It, I mean, yeah, zooming in right now, it, uh, wow. I mean, they all look like they're in their peak shape. I don't see any indication that they are not in the prime of their life. So I don't. There's a good chance that they didn't just get, I mean, they didn't just get brought back in present time. They got sent back in time. That's, that's what I'm going to assume here. But all right, that's enough for Hawkman. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and, uh, move on to just, uh, Justice League Odyssey number 23. That also retails for $3.99. The talent there is, it was written by Dan Abnett, art by Will Conrad, letters by and world design colored by Rain Barreto, and the cover was Jose Landrum. Green Lantern Jessica Cruz returns from the past, where Epoch, the master of time, stranded her for trying to stop his manipulation of the time stream. But Jessica's return means disaster, and the revelation of a dark secret that will destroy one of her teammates. So, the slow build through the story of the Justice League Odyssey, uh, it it's beginning to come to a close here. It's one of the can it's one of the titles that are getting canceled. Um, it doesn't sound as though it's going to come back, but hopefully Is it in we'll October be- it's getting canceled. Yeah. And, um, hopefully we'll see those characters become prominent in other places. Uh, not now which characters, not uh, for the, for the, for the most part, all of them. Um, like, we're, 
Where the hell does Starfire go? Um, Asriel, uh, you, I could take or leave Asriel since the nineties. I mean, that was that was since Nightfall. I haven't had a use for him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> but uh, um, the Cyborg, Starfire, I don't care about Asriel. Uh, Gamma Knife, I like the character Gamma Knife. I love. I I liked the dynamic between Blackfire, Dexter, Gamma Knife, and Jessica Cruz. See, now with, again, o- with Orion there is why I think of when I think of JLI. I mean JLO. I think like yeah. that team is like just nicely done. I thought it was a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gamma Knife, Blackfire, Orion, Dexter, and and Jessica Cruz. I mean. I never would have a million years no. pulled those people together, but somebody no. did, and to to me it was a damn good job. Um, so we anyway we uh, we start out the issue with the two epochs, currently epoch and presently epoch, working together to finish the revision uh, mechanism. Uh, then we flip the page into some stunning artwork as we watch the fight between Darkseid and the Ascaton begin. That Eschaton is one bad mamma jamma, and it sends out this energy force that knocks the hell out of just about everyone, it looks like. Uh, meanwhile, the JLO minus Jessica Cruz, who was sent away last issue, as we mentioned before, um, they're debating what to do if the Eschaton loses as the battle between the two keeps going. Uh, it takes a whole lot out of him, but Darkseid is finally able to take down the Eschaton. So, uh, so Gamma Knife. Blackfire, Orion, and Dexter all begin to run as fast as possible to the revision machine because obviously they can't stop Darkseid on their own. They decide to risk it and possibly destroy all reality rather than to let Darkseid make his version of reality. As Darkseid is regaining his strength, he sends Cyborg to take out the JLO. Now here we see Cyborg speaking in human words again. And Darkseid questions his loyalty, and uh, through dialogue we learn that this is because his control over Cyborg is weakening. But Cyborg swears his loyalty to Darkseid, and then he takes off uh, following Darkseid's orders. Uh, He gets to the ship, and he levels everybody there with ease. Uh, Orion included. Nobody. Blackfire. These are some heavy-hitting people. These are not... uh, They may may not be people you read about all the time, but they have... Huge power sets. These are these are not powerhouse characters. Yeah, exactly, and and cyborg levels them. So, uh, side note here: anybody that says cyborg shouldn't be on the Justice League is a damn fool. Especially uh, nowadays, with like, is this the era, the, the um, the age of technology? You know how much technology is improving. She, he is just the main thing of technology. Like he, like he's so useful nowadays. Exactly. Uh, he can do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's damn near, if not as powerful as Martian Manhunter in some ways. Um, so, uh, they, they, uh, they get leveled. Uh, Cyborg comes in and he kicks everybody's ass. Uh, Jessica Cruz shows up just out of nowhere, but also in the nick of time. Uh, there's no explanation given. So that kind of no. bums me out a little bit. Um, I would have liked to have some kind of something like, oh, she did this. Okay. okay. You know, rather than just because comic books. I mean, just uh, it's one panel. Throw one exactly. panel. In. Either a dialogue or something. Just like, no. 
But uh, so she comes back and just in the nick of time, she's able to reason with Cyborg by appealing to his human side and, you know, uh, per se. And uh, he, he recognizes her. He gets out of his dark side state of mind. And um, then we see the technician. Uh, she's in with the two epochs and they talk there a little bit and she shoots both of them dead. Uh, the technician is a traitor. And if we remember correctly, we haven't mentioned it in quite a while, but there was talk of a traitor quite a while back that, uh, Cyborg was saying that there was, there was one among them that was a traitor. He was warning Jessica Cruz of that. And then we didn't hear anything about that for a while. And then boom, traitor. Uh, honestly, it caught me off guard and I didn't remember it until just yesterday. Um, but, uh, so the technician is a traitor, and she does say that though she changed sides momentarily, she must align herself with the winning side. And apparently that's dark side side. <laughs> so we get a real cool shot of dark side storming into the base at the end. Of oh the yeah, like his half face is on fire. Next issue, betrayal. I feel like that should have been called this issue. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Like, because it felt like she got, it felt like Jessica Cruz got betrayed last issue. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like, I just didn't like how it got betrayed like that on both issues back to back. No, no. It appears to be the, it, it maybe it's the undoing of the Justice League Odyssey. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't really know who Gamma Knife is. I like her as a character. But, I mean, Blackfire, Orion, and Dexter. I mean, those are some self-serving people. You know what I mean? They, they, they are not exactly the first people in line to sign up to work with other people. And oh, they, no. they primarily look out for their own, you know? So, there could be a whole lot of betrayal. And what does that mean as far as Darkseid is concerned? Does Darkseid wipe them all out? Is that what happens at the end of this book? I really am going to be bummed out if Jessica Cruz doesn't survive this reboot with her Omega Mama powers. It'd be very interesting to see where they take it to, like how, like how this affect, like once she comes back into the other books, how is this going to affect her? Will she still be as like powerful? Like, yeah, I would really like to see her maintain the power that she's got right now, come back into the role of just a Green Lantern. And I would like to see her on the Justice League. I think Jessica Cruz deserves a spot there. She's oh, done yeah. her best to hold down this team. She did a damn good fucking, she did a damn good job of it. Um, it, it considering what was there. And, <laughs> And, and I mean, she was always, she did what was right every single time. You know, if at, at the end of the day, if everyone would have just listened to Jessica Cruz, they would have, they, they would have been a bit more prepared to deal with what was going to happen and nobody would. Definitely. This whole run, in my opinion, elevated Jessica Cruz's status a little bit higher than it was before with yeah, how the leadership took, how much. Like, it changed her as a character. Yeah, the, the her progression. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how much it changed her as a character. She grew, man. And I loved it. I mean, this is, this is somebody who I used to see as 
an unfortunate B character who was a pretty badass Green Lantern, but was also crippled by anxiety. And that, that, that was a really interesting paradigm, but to see her finally conquer that and turn into not just, not just a confident person, but then she became a confident person with Green Lantern Omega energy inside of her. <laughs> oh yeah, um, both in the Green Lanterns and Sorry Rebirth and in the Rebirth Justice um, run, both she was struggling both anxiety a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit too much. While this book, we see a whole new side of her that I think people hopefully they realize how much of a powerful character she truly is, and I just hope that. They treat her better. They not hope they treat her with the same respect as they are right now in the future of the books. Yeah, me too. I mean, agreed. She doesn't need to be. She doesn't mean. She does not. There's no reason to demote her back down to B slash C status because uh, she she. I mean, she's. We don't have a good Green Lantern that that fits anymore. No. To be one, I mean. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I will always love Kyle Rayner. <laughs> he uh, was, he's like, he's yeah. my favorite Green Lantern. Followed, he's my favorite Green Lantern of, of all time. Followed now by Jessica Cruz, and then Hal Jordan is underneath that. Um, and then I mean, John I Stewart. I them. I have, yeah, I've again, I've Kyle, and then Jessica, and then Guy. Guy, <laughs> just his yeah. attitude. His like doesn't care attitude. Guy is somewhere way down underneath. What about Simon? He's below, below Sinestro. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't enjoying this book, obviously, because it's getting canceled and just, I mean, look at the sales, but, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it. It hasn't been perfect. Uh, they've right. pretty much dropped off a few people and a few things and stuff like Jessica Cruz just showing up off out of nowhere with no explanation. But overall, the story has been pretty damn enjoyable. And yeah, like, the art in this book has always been really good. I mean, like, the, as you're saying, like, it, like, it, it, it's not the best book out there. However, it does have its moments. And I think, in my opinion, it did something new with some of the characters. Like this is basically DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. And at um, this point, yeah, it, it's better than what we've been getting at Marvel. No offense, but oh, I'm going to miss it when it's gone. Yeah, yeah, I actually wrote that in my notes right here. I mean, I wrote the crazy team that is put together here is one that works, and I'm going to miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how, again, like I said, I love how badass Jessica Cruz is now, and uh, I've been a fan of her since she came out. But she just never got a whole lot of respect. I think she's earned it now. Um, this this one has me curious. This book has made me curious about how they're going to get out of this situation. Um, I hope that it's done really well. Uh, the the lack of explanation for Jessica Cruz popping up out of nowhere that, that whole thing is that knocks down the score for me a little bit. Otherwise, it'd be a little bit it'd be a little bit higher than this. Honestly, but uh, final score seven out of ten. I might go a little bit higher than you. I'm gonna go with a seven point five. However, I wish the fight scenes were a little bit longer. For example, the uh, page where Blackfire is fighting Cyborg, I think it's beautifully done. I just wish it would went like half a page more 
just because how beautifully done it was. It was nice. I love, love action scenes. So this was nice to see. I just wish we got a little bit more of that. As you're saying, the Jessica Cruz, it was a little bit forced. This issue has been better than it was before, because before, I felt it was a little bit out of whack, like, a little bit too much. Like, the issue just took forever to read. This issue actually caught my attention, and unfortunately, how it ended, especially with Cyborg, you can tell it does have a closing date, and how it's, it's wrapping up to that date, to that October date. Mm-hmm. How Cyborg is realizing he's actually, like, what's going on? Hey, no, 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 I don't want to do this. So I can imagine in next issue, we're going to see either Starfire or Azrael. Yeah, I imagine you're right. They've, I mean, everybody's getting, it's got to wrap up real quick somehow. I mean, they don't have too much longer before it's done. Two issues, three? Uh, two. September and October, unfortunately. All right, well, then that's the end on that one. Next up is Batman the Outsiders, issue number 15. Cover price is three nine nine. Batman and the Outsiders was written by Brian Hill, art by Dexter Soy. Letter, letters were done by Clayton Cowles, colored by Veronica Gadini, and cover by Tyler Kirkham. The Outsiders have uncovered a massive piece of information about Raish's, Raish Al Ghul's new weapon, and Black Lightning is prepared to exploit this weakness. He'll go to any length to stop Raish's weapon. But that is exactly what the demon... Is that exactly what the demon wants? And will Batman be able to stop Black Lightning from draining his powers? This issue begins with Ra's al Ghul holding his alien device, delivering a very typical Ra's monologue when he's delivered the news that Batman took out the Lazarus Pit. It does say B, not A, so it does make it sound as though this is finally the last one, um... It seems like they should have ran out of them a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but... So it does say these, so I'm thinking it's the last one. Um, not so typically, Raish doesn't seem to care. He says immortality is not the goal. He goes on in his monologue and says that he wants all of civilization to fall. Uh, we turn the page and we see Duke, Cassie, and Shiva taking down NATO an arms dealer with cybernetic arms, and then we see the entire Outsiders team standing over him, offering him the chance to take, uh, offering him the chance to give them the info they need, or they're going to rip his cybernetic arms off. Uh, next page, Batman and Sophia are holding NATO off the top of a crane, where he spills enough info for Batman to know what's going on. He mentions the Master Group, and Batman flies off. Back to the hideout, and we see a couple really cool shots of Jefferson trying to listen to the electromagnetic song from Raisha's device, while Duke is telling Katana that Shiva isn't evil, and basically that she's a part of the team as far as he's concerned. We next learn from Batman what the Master Group is, a powerful secret consortium that manipulates the world. Essentially, it's the Illuminati. Uh... I mean, that's that's what he's making it sound like. Uh, Batman says that Raish would have a serious problem with them, and he knows that exactly where they are meeting. Uh, Jefferson warns them that the, that the device is starting to wake up, too, so Batman insists that he keeps on trying to find it. Next, we get to meet the Master Group at their meeting in Tokyo. 
not for very long though, because Ray shoots the build shoots into the building from this small jet, and everyone but one person is dead. It just so happens to be the media mogul. Uh, Race gives her a USB drive with a video file on it that she is to distribute to all of her major news outlets worldwide. Uh, Race gives another monologue about he's a prophet for the end times and that Japan will fall tonight. Any nation that opposes him will suffer the same. We see Jefferson on top of the building making a huge electric ball of lightning as the outsiders begin to make their attack on Race. The next page is a full-page splash with some nice shadow work and the color of Batman standing in the broken window against the red night sky. Um, that's how the the that's how the book ends. I had I had a couple problems with it. Um, uh, at first, I couldn't figure out who it was that was standing on top of that crane. Because I didn't see Sophia in any of the panels previous to the crane, so I didn't even know she was there, and I couldn't I couldn't figure out for it took me it took me a good little bit to figure out that that was Sophia. Yeah. Uh, um. So there was that. Uh. When Batman tells the outsiders about the Masters Group, the one thing I mean, other than the fact that this seems. I mean, it's just, it's a convenient plot. And that's cool. I don't care. Take it, whatever. But, uh, the, the problem that I had during this whole scene is if, if I'm looking at Bruce with, uh, at Batman with his mask off and he, he looks the same age as Duke does. Yeah. Wow. He does not look that old as like, no, he looks really, really young. Like there. a Nightwing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and honestly, I mean, I get that this is a Batman enemy. It's one of his greatest enemies. But is he really needed in this book? No, not one bit. This is like the um, JLA book. Saw so Rebirth where like Batman was on the team going to sell. But he did not need to be on the team at all. No way. No, and I just, I wish that this wouldn't be so much of... Batman being in the book just to have Batman in the book. I mean, he could show up in every three or four issues and this book would have been just fine if if the creative team behind it or the editorial team behind the creative team would have allowed them to, to, to let Black Lightning be the leader. Um, it wouldn't have taken away from any of the personal conflict that oh, not one Batman is going through at all. It would have added to it, I think, and I th- I think that it would have, I just, I think the story could have gone a lot better. And this is somebody speaking, as, uh, Batman's my favorite comic book character. This should have less Batman in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the art in every issue of these books. Um, it's not changing this issue at all. Other than, other than Duke's powers still being a mystery. Um, I think that's a gripe that everybody shares. Uh, we went from not knowing what his light powers were to him getting dark powers that were never explained, but people are really scared of shadows. That's what we learned. Yeah, because we um, do see him use them as well in the beginning of the I- I- issue. He does use a little bit of the powers, but we don't know what, what he does with the shadows. We know if he uses the shadows to control people, like to like... Yeah, are they... Are they... 
Are they are they are they literally just to scare? So they're like shadows that look like monsters. Do they have physical form? I and mean, what I does this do to him? Because if right. he uses life power, does it like be good? Or if it turns like like Star Wars, if he turns like to the dark side, that's when you see him like full throttle with the dark power. See, and that's a storyline that we have. That's a story plot point that we that we have had completely ignored that could have really taken this book in a great direction exploring that at the same time going through all of this all of this could have been going on without batman even being in the book only other than to show up and and complain about something offer advice give them some tech or some money or something or or information and and it could have progressed it would have been better i think with without batman but um Mm -hmm. I, I love how all of the characters going through this entire arc have we they've all seen growth. None of them are the same characters that they were when they started out this story arc. If we if, oh, not if, one bit. no, they they're I mean, they're all more open, um with maybe the exception of Katana, even though she started to crack a little bit. Um I really liked the storyline so far. I just I hope with it ending so quickly, I hope they nail the lending. Um my final score on this one is going to be a 7.5 out of 10. Alright, well just like in the reverse, like how last issue, I'm actually going a little bit negative than you. I'm going with a 7. Yes, I enjoyed the art, by which I feel the cliffhanger as well as it should have done for me. A cliffhanger feels if it should want me to read more, to grab my attention, and I feel that it just didn't do it for me. Like I said, I like the art. I wish we just saw more with some of the characters. Wish we yeah. saw more with Duke and his powers. Wish we see more with um that new girl. What's her face? Um, Sophia. Yes, with Sophia. I feel that they had what's, not done what's, what's her name now? Uh, um, Ballas, ba- ba- Babylon. Ba- Babylon. Yes. Yeah. Babylon. I feel as if we hadn't done anything with her at all since she joined the team. Well, she just sung some dude from a crane, broke his ankle. <laughs> yeah, so she was only in one panel, just holding out a guy. Yep. Managed oh, a little bit more than that. Managed <laughs> to work her in there. <sighs> the only other time that we see her in the book is when she's included in a group of dark figures that you can't distinguish one from another. Yeah, like... I feel that the book should have a little bit less of Batman, more of everybody else just call it re, just rename it outsiders yeah i mean i'd i'd be completely happy with black lightning and the outsiders mm-hmm. and i think that even sounds good just saying dc i definitely i wish we this is easily could be like just a a just a one story run because we've dealt with the same villain since issue one that's what i wish i, I wish we got at least one issue where like the main villain wasn't really like racial girl. Like we face another one of Batman's or Black Lightning villains, at least like once. Well, I feel like the inclusion of Batman always in there was like, and I mean, I almost kind of hope that DC editorial at the time was forcing them to put Batman in there just to try and keep the sales up. I feel like they were. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and I want to I want to hope that because I would hate to think that the creative team will just at the, okay throughout this entire arc. Like I said, I've enjoyed it, but but there's been a lot of times where I felt like I was riding a bicycle with no chain on it. My pedal was flying around as fast as they could go, but I wasn't getting anywhere. You know, Batman would come back and I'm not, I'm not ready to trust you guys. I'm only giving you half the information. And then Jefferson would get mad at Batman for pushing everybody too far while not giving up on all the information. And I mean, it was just the same thing over and over. But what we saw in the detective, um, back to a, pilot of this comic when black Lightning came in katana came in it was the same thing there too didn't trust him but still like the same thing but yeah so i gave this a seven out of ten all right and since you mentioned detective comics let's go ahead and move on to that detective comics number 1025 retailing for 3.99 Written by Peter J. Tomasi, art and cover by Kenneth Rockefeller, covered, uh, colored by Dan Brown, with letters by Rob Lee. The Joker War explodes with an assault on Wayne Enterprises. The Joker has taken control of Wayne Tech R&D, and with it, all the weapons hidden in its sublevels, plus Lucius Fox as a hostage. The Joker and his clown-masked henchmen are now using Wayne Enterprises as an armory, using sophisticated 3D printers to produce weapons to rule Gotham City. But Batman and Batwoman might have something to say about that. It's all-out action in this non-stop issue. Alright, so we get to the st- we get to start this issue out with watching Batman or Batwoman, excuse me, kick mm-hmm. some serious ass against a small army of clowns. Oh, we yeah, have a time she gets her. She finally gets back because we see her last in Red Hood before then, detectives. About the time we see her back into comics. Yeah, and not well, just. Well, we do. Yeah, not just playing a background character. Um, but, uh, so we see her kicking some serious ass at, against some clowns, a small army of them that have the commissioner and a bunch of cops pinned down in the park. Uh, next, we go to Wayne Enterprises, where Lucius Fox has Joker toxin ac- acupuncture in his forehead and some bright red lipstick on. Uh, the clowns have Lucius uh, power up the big guns, whatever that means, and then we see in the next panel bat drones that have been Jokerized flying around. One of them heads to where Batwoman and Bullock are and starts attacking. As it comes back for a second attack, Batman is there and is ready to take it down with an EMP cannon. Now, when does this take place, though? When does this take place? Yeah. As far as timelines go currently in the DC, I have no flippin' idea. Because as I read it, we're all supposed to currently be in death battle. Well, no, also, this also (laughs) is also called Joker War, right? Yeah, but when so is Joker War supposed to be here? That's what I don't understand. Like, Joker War, he was unconscious, Holly took him in, then he, he went to the movie up. theater. Yeah, so where he was at within Joker War's timeline, um, that, that, that part I still, I'm assuming that this happened beforehand. I would assume that this happened beforehand, and it wouldn't make sense for it to happen afterwards. 
Um, he certainly doesn't seem messed up by anything at all. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that this, this happened before him going to the theater. Yeah. I wish like he, I wish like he wasn't even in this issue though, just cause like it feels like it doesn't really mesh with the whole Joker war stuff. I mean, what, what, what he was in that Batman book. They, they could have, um, left him out of this issue and made it work. Oh yeah. You could also even include another, the Bat family member instead of him. You could done. Um, Hopper Vow, who we haven't seen in the beginning of Detective, one of you started. Which was, uh, Bluebird, right? Yeah, yep. Yep. And I think, I think that would be cool to see come back. Uh, it would be really mm-hmm. cool to see her come back, as a matter of fact. Harper Rooley, it would be nice. Um, Ooh, uh, um, Batwing. Batwing as well. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, he's like permanently in Africa now, right? He's, I mean, he's he's left the U.S. and he's he's in Africa, isn't he? I don't know, but because also this also deals with, with his father, I feel like they could have brought him back for this one issue to save his father. Yeah, I mean, that would have been nice. I don't know how well him and Batwoman would have meshed, but... <laughs> well, they worked um, in um, Detective. They, 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 did, they did do that, didn't they? Yeah, they were in a, a team. Um. Yeah, you're right. All right, uh, so anyway, uh, Batman was... Uh, ready to take the the Joker drone down with an EMP cannon, but it only works on one one thing at a time. It doesn't send out a huge EMP pulse. So uh, while he's waiting for it to reload, I guess another drone catches Batman off guard and sends him flying. And then and then after that, uh, we get a funny moment where Batman or Batwoman makes Batman ride on the rear seat of her. <laughs> he doesn't seem very happy about it. Not one bit. So, uh, they show up at Wayne Enterprises, but not with just the motorcycle. There's a huge Hank with concussive stun emitters mounted in place of guns. They take out all of the clowns and destroy the 3D weapon printers there and save Lucius. As Batman is tending to Lucius, Batwoman and Batman agree that the Joker needs to be put down hard. Next issue... Joker War heads underground and Killer Croc strikes. Before you say anything, they better not mess with my man Whalen. I have seen some development with this character oh, being done, down. and he no longer wants to be a villain, so they mm-hmm. better not turn him back into one. I'm going to be pissed if they do. I mean, they've done a lot go with him with Roy and Jason mm-hmm. when, um, when Wayland was like his like mentor with um his drugs with Roy, they've done a lot of good. Yeah, and I mean I think Killer Croc is almost if he was more popular of a character, he would almost fall underneath the Harley Quinn branch of heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh any hero, I suppose you would say, but I don't see her in Deadpool as you know, on the same level. <laughs> I think I any like, hero. I think Deadpool. Yeah. I feel like with the next issue, they're going to have, like, Waylon, he's mind-controlled. And by ne- the, like, end of the issue, he's going to come to a senses, or he's going to, like, snap out of it and, like, save people. I hope so. Well, what would you think about this issue? I thought it was good, but as I said before, I wish this issue did not have Batman. He's the only thing that I had a little bit of a quiver with. They could have done 
many other characters besides him. Um, but I think it's just a straight, simple issue, straight to the the point. That you know, it's a nice one shot. Yeah, with the with the exception of the Jokerized Lucius, I don't know. I I just I didn't like the red lips. It looks like lipstick, man. And to me, I mean, the permagrin is that's what should be there. You know, the Joker grin should be on mm. somebody's face. But when you when you do the 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 red lips and you can't make it not look like lipstick. Yeah. Don't do it. Just don't make it red. It's fine. I promise. Nobody's going to care. All right. So other than the red lips on Lucius, uh, other than Lucius's lovely and luscious lips, uh, the art is damn near flawless. I really like it. The faces, the details, the Joker drones. I thought all of it was great. Um, it was a little over the top, but I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I thought the action was fast-paced and that the dialogue and the story were able to keep up with it. Um, I'm having, I'm myself, I'm having a good time with the Joker War so far, and I've been enjoying this story, the story throughout as a whole. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know where the tank came from. I don't know where Batman was hiding it. It says in the narrative that it's, or uh, I believe Lucius says that it's coming from one of the sub-levels, but by now, hasn't hasn't Joker's armor army been through everything by now? Haven't they examined every floor? It's so, very convenient. Yeah, that part didn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm not too bent out of shape about it because it could be explained away with he just had it stashed somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But it just that that was just one kind of little thing. Um, so yeah. Batman didn't have to be in there. We could have brought in another Bat family character with Batwoman. I I love that Batwoman. I wish we would have saw somebody else. Now that you had said that, I'm with you on that one. Um, my my final score on this one is going to be a seven out of ten. I'm going go there with you. Except it was a straight, simple issue, straight to the point, but it does have its own issues as well. Agreed. All right, Anthony's going to take a break here while I review Wonder Woman 760, and he'll come right back. So that's where we're at, Wonder Woman 760, retailing for $3.99, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Mikkel Janin, Yannin, I keep on saying the name wrong, colored by Jordi Belair, cover by David Marquez, and letters by Pat Prusso. Wonder Woman's quest to bring justice to man's world has seen her take on many devastating opponents, but none so vicious as Maxwell Lord. Max represents the worst that his humanity has to offer. So when he's drafted by the military to save the day, what's the warrior for truth to do? This issue picks up right where the last one left off, inside of Striker's Island. It starts off with Maxwell Lord telling Wonder Woman that she's welcome, that he stopped the attack, she throws the lasso around him immediately and asks why he's there. To which he answers, budget cuts and good behavior. He tells her that he didn't cause the riot, and he predicts the army's arrival. While he's still wearing the lasso, he says, I'm not the man you knew, Diana. Things are different. Right before the army leads him away, next we see Wonder Woman has headed to speak with Etta Candy about the strange hallucinations she had dealt with in the last issue. The lady who thought she was uh, 
driving to get ice cream or something along those lines and uh, was actually driving her kids into oncoming traffic. And Edda tells her that there had been at least 10 more instances just like that where people did crazy things while thinking it was normal. Edda promises Diana that they have an eye on Maxwell Lord, and then Wonder Woman goes home. Emma is there, and she puts she had put together Diana's couch for her. Uh, apparently, this is going to be Diana's new BFF. They talk about losing people they love after Emma tells her that her parents died in a car accident. And we, uh, we next next page, we see another case of mind control going on at a construction site. Wonder Woman shows up just in time to save the day. She stops and takes a picture with a fan really quick. And then we see her in her bedroom asleep. There's a loud noise rumbling, and she wakes up, wondering how she got there, in her room. She doesn't, she doesn't know how she got to her room. She's still wearing, wearing her Wonder Woman garb. And then, a giant fist smashes through her ceiling, and everything goes red, just like the artwork that was in the prison scene. Wonder Woman is yelling for Emma. And I can't quite tell where she is, Wonder Woman that is, but it doesn't matter because we see that the ground starts falling, falling away, and she falls through darkness, landing somewhere with parademons all over the place. It looks really bad, there's a lot of them, but she's holding her own pretty well. Someone is shouting Diana's name when we find out that it's Etta Candy. Diana starts to look like, starts to what looks like, uh, wake up. And um, come out of days, and we turn the page for a full splash of Wonder Woman having killed lots of soldiers. And it literally looks like she's standing in the middle of a war zone. And she looks completely surprised and shocked. So, uh, last Wonder Woman book, I gave Mariko really, really low scores. uh, Because it barely felt like a setup issue, let alone much of an issue at all. Wow, what a difference in this book. The art is phenomenal. There's not one panel I can complain about. And way to go with the story, Mariko. I can't wait to see what you do with this because I did not see this coming. I'm in it now, and I hope to get this. And I hope that I get to see you take us in cool places. I like the way that she writes Diana and the other characters too. I'm looking forward to see how she portrays Maxwell Lord more because I didn't get too bit much of a taste for that. Uh, and I'd like to see whatever he's up to, too. So, um, in complete contradiction and contrast to my review on the last issue of Wonder Woman, I give this one two huge thumbs up in, on, uh, in this story. The action, the story, the dialogue, the art, it was an awesome job. Final score, 9 out of 10. All right, now we're back with Superman number 24, retailing for three ninety nine. Anthony's back with us. We have talent uh, for Superman number 24, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Kevin McGuire, colored and covered by Alex Sinclair, and letters by David Sharp. Superman's legendary susceptibility to magic is about to turn his life inside out and upside down. A mysterious new villain is coming to Superman's world to pit him against the most powerful sorcerer and agent for the Lords of Order, Dr. Fate. Just as we left off in the last issue, 
The recap splash reminds us that our heroes have been caught off guard by Xanadoth, the Lord of the Lords of Chaos. Then we get a flashback page to last year at the DEO, where Director Bones is promoting Agent Veronica Bassett to work in the mystical division that he's apparently not too happy about having to head. Then we get back to the action. There's a whole lot of supervillain speeching going on in Xanadoth. (laughs) They're probably like a lot. And Xanadoth pulls the helmet from Fate's head, it looks like. Uh, Superman manages to grab it, just as Naboo the helmet warns them both that they must leave. Xanadoth unleashes some freaking monsters onto Superman and Dr. Fate, and they overcome them pretty quickly. That is, the monsters overcome Superman and Fate. Xanadoth shouts to Veronica, who is apparently his host, just as Dr. Fate's Naboo needs a host. We get a narrative running down exactly who Xanadoth is, a lord of chaos so powerful that he was imprisoned by the one and only time the lords of order and the lords of chaos work together. As well as whoever Xanadoth's host is, he's got everything he needs to be incredibly powerful. The narrative is accompanied by really nice art here, half of it featuring Dr. Fate and Xanadoth, the other half featuring Veronica and Xanadoth, showing how she was possessed and how she became infected, so to speak. Uh, Dr. Fate is still fighting Xanadoth while Naboo is begging him to leave, and finally Naboo does it without permission. He just teleports Khalid out of there. Superman tells Xanadoth that more will come to defeat him, and that is when Xanadoth lets him know that he has already begun returning the world to its natural state, which is chaos and violence. Superman doesn't like that idea much, and he hits him uh, with a double tap, gets him with heart, uh, heat vision and cold breath both at the same time. It impresses Xanadoth, but it doesn't seem to phase him much. Xanadoth starts attacking Superman with magic, and Dr. Fate transports him away temporarily, and they get a plan together. We next see Superman wearing the helmet of Fate, and he calls out to the Justice League Dark members who come in and help cast the Lord of Chaos out of Veronica's body, like an exorcism. It looks like they're successful. Everybody have a good day. Superman and Dr. Fate make plans to talk soon as they're becoming good friends. All is good. And then we turn the pa- and then we turn to the next page, and Veronica is in the hospital. In the very last panel, her eyes light up, and we see little orbs flying around. Next issue is the Superman double-sized 25th issue spectacular, which oh doesn't give us much to go on. <laughs> nope. Well, what do you think about this one? Uh, I just do not care at all about this. This I no, just don't care at all. I know this is the first panel we've seen both Veronica and um, the new character, but I just nothing draw me to them. To me, it looked like a, a nice version of Marvel's Cosmic Ghost Rider, but I want at least one issue coming up that makes me care about both of the characters. That she grabs my attention, teaches me what it is, like what can it do. You you mentioned you mentioned both of the characters. Uh, which uh, Super, Superman and Doctor Fate? No, um, Veronica and um, Xander. Va- Va- Veronica and Xanadoth. Yeah, uh, Xanadoth. 
Yeah. Okay. Like, give me something that makes me actually care about them. Because uh, I, from, yeah, I hope I, this is not a one shot. No, I'm 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 really thinking that it's not. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I feel completely opposite to you as far as this issue goes. Uh, I can't stand Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, at least what he's done. That's not at to DC. say everything that he's done. It's what he's done at DC since oh, he's yeah. gotten here. Um, but uh, I feel as if the only, the page where Supergirl is MDO, I feel as if he knows nothing about DC. It's like, okay, what's the DO? And he went online and he saw a Supergirl TV show, which has the DO, Marshman Hunter, and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And that's all we see on the page. I'm like, did you look this up and saw the TV show? Because that's all I get from this. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got from it too. It is shallow. I'm not. I'm not gonna say that, but um, that it's not. You know, but what what I, what I will say is that for 23 issues, I have liked the idea of what Bendis wanted to do. I've just hated every single part of his execution. For 23 issues, I've hated the art in both Action Comics and here in Superman. I am happy for issue 24. Even though this was steeped in magic and had the supporting cast, this felt more like a Superman book than anything I've read in this run at all. I didn't see the usual things that it complained about with Bendis here. Um, I didn't see the latter dialogue. I didn't see a lack of progression. I saw something get tied up. I saw a cliffhanger at the end. Um, I really enjoyed the story. I like the introduction of a possible new big bad villain that we can see later down the road. I'd like to see that come back. I would, I would like to see more of Xanadoth and Veronica, and then maybe we will get to give a shit about them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, the, that's a big bad. I mean, so powerful that the Lords of Order and the Lords of Chaos, who are like yin and yang, man, they have to exist together, but they hate each other. I mean, they don't work together. They just coexist. And, and for them to have to work together to take out one of the Lords of the Lords of Chaos, I mean, that has to be one seriously powerful bad guy. And uh, I think it would be great to have a Justice League Dark or uh, Justice League slash Justice League Dark team up to take him down. Uh, I think that would be neat as hell. Uh, and the art in this, oh man, I didn't have to force myself to read through the comic with acknowledging as little of the scenery as possible. Uh, that's what I normally do. <coughs> jar Jar. Um, <laughs> this looked good. <laughs> this issue did. The Superman wearing Dr. Fate's helmet looked a little off. I didn't like that. It just, I don't know. It was just the way it was drawn. I didn't like it. Uh, not because of the concept. I just didn't like the way that it was drawn. Um, Bendis, if you're listening, keep doing this, okay? Do what do what you did here and in all of the other books you're doing, please. Uh, I'm going to give this, it, while it was far from a perfect issue, it was a relief to see Superman doing Superman things in a Superman comic book. And I enjoyed it. Final score was 7 out of 10. Ooh. I would not be beating that score at all. 
I wish there was a little bit less of the dialogue because I feel like that ruined it a little bit for me. Just with many, many pages was mostly just all dialogue. There was a lot of talking. I mean, if I want to read a book with that much dialogue, I would be like Pussy Jack. One of those books that I don't go, you know. A comic book should have half words, half art. Um, but yeah, like, I just, as of now, don't really care about either of the two new characters that we got introduced with. I'm hoping in the near future that gets changed in either a JLD book or Superman book or even next issue is the double size. Maybe half of that issue will be about, um, these two new characters characters but yeah my score will be a 5.5 out of 10 you know it would be cool too dr fate was involved primarily this is a dr fate villain right mm. it would be great to see this villain be carried over and have the jla deal with it the jla yeah What's i don't J- know the jla or jsa excuse oh i was gonna <laughs> that would be really cool if we uh, that um, if we could see the JSA go up against them. I don't know what period of time the JSA's book is going to be in, but I am almost positive we're getting one. Well, even if like if he does show up there, if um we see like a past incarnation of X X Zandoff. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on next to Flash number 759, retailing for three ninety nine, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Rafa Sandoval, Scott Collins, and Jody Terragana, colored by Arif Prianto and Hi-Fi, covered by Sandoval, Terragana, and Hi-Fi. A new storyline begins. Finish line, part one of six, leading to the finale of Joshua Williamson's legendary run on The Flash. It's Barry Allen's last race. The Legion of Zoom has won. Central City is in ruins. Barry Allen is trapped in the Speed Force, his body taken over by the Reverse Flash. So, uh, Flash 759 starts out with the normal letterbox saying, My name is Barry Allen. But it's not really him in there, is it? We remember from last issue that Reverse Flash has taken over Barry's body and... What's he? What he's doing with it starts up in this issue. Uh, first, he swings by Young Justice to have a talk with Bart. Bart is obviously super happy to see Barry, and that's when Thawne says, Come on, you want a race? Barry's predicament, uh, as we turn the page, doesn't seem to have improved much since last issue. Zombie Max Mercury and Jesse Quick are charging at him, but Barry doesn't recognize them. He feels like he should, though, and knows that they are speedsters. The ghoulish versions of the speedsters start giving Barry a bit of a pep talk, and then about how he needs to move on from the guilt of the Flashpoint, and poof, they're not zombies anymore. Poof, no more zombies. So so if you ever run into a zombie and they start trying to give you self-help advice, listen to them, and they won't be a zombie anymore. That's what I learned from this book. Uh, Max, <laughs> Max Mer- uh, let's, gonna try and talk again. Max Mercury explains that they are, I guess, pretty much in the spiritual aspect of the Speed Force rather than the Speed Force itself. 
Jesse and Max tell Barry that they will teach him everything they need to know about the Speed Force because they need him to get back in his body ASAP to stop whatever's on his planet. Uh, Trickster, Glider, and Captain Cold on the next page are going on a spree in Central City when Thawne and Bart show up. Barry breaks through for a second and yells at Bart to run, but is quickly contained by Thawne. Not before the Trickster notices, though, and he throws a bomb at the Flash, which is promptly caught and thrown back at the Trickster. Bart sees this and questions it, and that's when Thawne, still as Barry, gives him a dressing down, really talks down to him, and tells him to leave the Flash business to him. Thawne takes Trickster with him as he leaves Bart, and returns to the hideout as Captain Cold and Glider get back. He yells at them for leaving after he told them not to, and they fight back about it a little bit, but he says once he locks down the full control of Barry's body, after they go and retrieve certain items for him, he will give them the keys to their futures. We flip the page again, and we see Wallace and Avery with Iris West at a vacation home. Thawne shows up, and Iris immediately asks if it's safe for him to be there. He says that he's taken care of Thawne, and she asks what's that mean. And then he's asked about what the Legion of Zoom is, uh, what happened with the Legion of Zoom, and he starts getting really defensive about all the questions. So he says, I know exa- hey, I know exactly where Thawne's hideout is. Why don't the three of the speedsters go take him out? We fill up the page, and boom, Bart knocks the holy hell out of Thawne. He kicks him right in the face with super speed, and he's going, you're mean. Barry Allen isn't mean. He might be quiet or distant or awkward, but he's never mean. (laughs) Bart beats the hell out of Thawne, and I enjoy that so much. (laughs) And then he throws him, like, really, really super far, which confused me a little bit uh but um remember that wallace and bart don't know each other yet so they start questioning and kind of sort of introducing each other iris remembers though and she hugs her grandson wallace is having some trouble believing all of this when thon shows back up talking about how a family is what held the flash back from being the best he could be iris knows it's not barry she knows it's thon We see a speech bubble come up from out of nowhere that says, Son, with all due respect, which leads us to the next page. A huge splash of Jay Garrick stepping in between Flash's family and Vaughn, and he says, Get the hell away from those kids. Next issue, Flash vs. Flash. So what do you think about this one, Evan? Definitely a mix feelings on both like the art and the story itself the art i feel as if it was not that great a few times um for example towards the tail end you see both of avery and bot hair the hair looks a little bit too like it looks a little bit looks i don't know to me it doesn't look that, uh, that great and when barry's in um the speed force with max and jesse his face is just like not enough detail was drawn. Yeah, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a fan of the um, the Speed Force esque art that was going on in there either. Yeah, because you could tell that there's a difference between the Speed Force art and the non Speed Force art. 
Yeah, I think. And it they, didn't do justice for that section of the book. No, I don't think also, it did either. I also feel like um when we see like the truth for Max and um Jesse, it took it back a little bit from last issue's cliffhanger by showing um just like that how they just turn back to normal. I feel as if like last issue I like I was actually kind of excited to read this issue to see oh what's this. But then when I got the reason, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff that we've had to just forget about. Mm. The the Forever Force um, being one of them things. We've had to forget about that and all the other forces. Oh, uh, they can so much with that stuff. I agree. Um, we They could make like how the Green Lantern has the yellow lanterns, the orange lanterns. They could have done the same thing with that. Brought to the Speed Force, have all these other forces. Yep. You could expand the, it. The Forever Force could have been like the White Lantern. It would have mm-hmm. been awesome. Um, I think so, anyway. Uh, another thing that we just had to forget about was that the, the Flashes couldn't access the Speed Force all the way because they might kill the sub because they could start blowing up, I guess. We never really got yeah, we a never full. Got a full we know we never got a full explanation as to what would happen. Um, and we never got a full explanation as to why we don't have to worry about that anymore. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Joshua Williamson's run has been a very, very long one. And he's been on there for a reason. But there's just lately, and when I say lately, I mean over the course of at least the last year. It's been a lot of, again, just walking in motion, running in motion, um, not mm. really getting a lot of progression for a lot of it. Now, of, now, now that we're coming to the end of his run, uh, now that we're coming to the end of his run, we're seeing more. And I hope that, I hope that continues because, I mean, the premise of everything that's going back on this is pretty good. I did like the art in most of the places. There were some issues that I had with it. And again, I didn't like the Speed Force art of Barry, Jesse, and Max. Um, the, the panel of Thawne throwing the bomb back at Trickster, though, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, and as far as the story goes, we're into Williamson's last run here. Uh, I've been hating on him a little bit because of of what I just mentioned, but um, uh, it seems this this one seems like a solid beginning for a story arc, and he isn't spending the whole arc with Thawne keeping it a secret that he's buried, which is something that I was worried about because that's I mean all that does it's more wheel spinning, you know. Um, so that's cool to me, and hopefully that means we'll get more detail coming forward. I am looking forward to see where he takes this last run with the Flash. Yep. Once, like, how it takes after that, like, when when the new writer comes on, who will be the Flash of that book? Yeah, because, honestly, we don't know where this is going to land anybody. Mm -hmm. Will Barry Barry even be with us? Because this, does this get over before or after the end of um, Death Metal? Again, with the timelines on DC, everything running concurrently, we don't know. I'm going to assume that 
everything that we read in Batman and Flash mm-hmm. and Hawkman and all of this stuff is all stuff that happened prior to Death Metal. And then Death Metal happened, and then we're going to see all that other stuff. I know that there's some uh, solicits for a whole lot more of the uh, tie-in issues, and there's there's a couple of titles that I saw. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but there was a couple of issues that I saw that made me think that they were going to be doing something along those lines. Because so. I would not be shocked if Wom, like next year, the flash of that book, of this book, will actually be Wally West. I would like it to be Wally. I mean, I'm a Barry fan. Yeah, I, and I really am. Uh, I, I, Growing up, I read Barry comics um, all the way up, and I was like shocked when when he when you know he disappeared during the crisis. Man, I was like, what? <laughs> for so long <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, but uh, and yeah, for what twenty some years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, even back then, I didn't know that that was going to happen. But it's just like it blew my mind that that happened back then, and then, uh, and then I. I, I got to know Wally, you know, and I grew up with him. So as far as I'm concerned, those those two are my, they're both my flashes. Uh, no, no offense to Wallace. I mean, he's great to have on a sidekick team like the Teen Titans. Yep. But, um, but uh, he's not flash material yet, you know. Yeah, that, he needs to grow a little bit more. Yeah, and that, you know, obviously Avery does as well. So um, my final score on the Flash was a six point five out of ten. I'm going to go with a six. No, uh, yeah, a six. It's definitely. I'm intrigued how it's going to go from like the next couple of issues. How it's going to go? Yeah, I'm really. I'm curious to see how he's going to wrap it up. All right, and now we're going to go on to Deceased Hope at World's End number 7. That's a digital first book, and you can pick it up for 99 cents. Written by Tom Taylor, art by Renato Guedes, colored by Rex Locus, cover by Guedes and Locus, and letters by Santa Tamafonte. The battle for Juttenheim is raging, and time is running out. Will the surviving Justice League arrive in time? Will their combined might stand against an infected Black Adam and his army? And the answer is kind of. <laughs> the issue begins with Wonder Woman still holding up Jut- the Juttenheim base that Black Adam blasted off the side of the mountain. That's a whole lot of weight, and I gotta say, I got a, I got a whole new respect for how strong Wonder Woman is. Oh, yeah. Uh, thankfully, she made a call to the Justice League for help before she got there. We find that out now. Uh, they show up, and, and uh, Green Lantern Black Canary takes the fortress from Diana, picks it up in a Green Lantern bubble, as the rest of them, Cyborg, Superman, and Manhunt, Martian Manhunter, plan to take down Black Adam. Uh, we get a look inside Juttenheim, and Raza is fighting off a bunch of and Wink teleports them both to the other side of the door, even though Roz was willing to sacrifice himself to save everybody. Uh, on the other side of the door, there's an army waiting to fight for, with them. Uh, we see Hawkman and Hawk Girl 
blow a hole through the side of the base, and they start fighting against the Blighted. After the fight is over, which happens almost completely off-panel, Hawkman is pulled through a portal by Nightshade. Green Lantern Black Canary is using everything she has to pull the base to safety as fast as she can outside of Karak, while the rest of them are fighting Black Adam as he is chasing the base. When they got to be over water, though, Black Adam couldn't follow. Superman says that the anti-life equation knew that it was outnumbered. Liari shows up, and Superman says thank you for raising the alarm for Juttenheim. It seems as though they have won the battle, but on the next page, we see thousands of the Blighted marching behind Black Adam and Hawkman, who is also now infected. Nightshade is opening the portal door, and narration tells us that it's to go across the sea. But, um, next issue, Super Pets to the Rescue? Ooh, only Tom Taylor. Only Tom Taylor can get me excited for Super Pets. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I myself, I feel a little repetitive reviewing the DC's books because I love the story so much. Every issue flies through my fingers. Mm. It, uh, the art's always really good. I mean, we know where this leads. It gets so bad that they have to leave Earth. We know that from the original DC series. I'm still curious about where the story is going next. Hawk yeah, and how Man. long it's going to last, too. Exactly. Issue seven. Right. Superman's not yet infected. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is taking a place roughly around, what, issue three? But why is Cyborg there? Isn't Cyborg, like, dead? I mean, didn't he die in the beginning? No, not in the very beginning, he didn't. Oh, I, I thought, think. didn't Darkseid defect him, basically? No, he came back to Earth. Yeah. That's how the infection spread to begin with. Um, but, uh, okay, um, so, yeah, uh, Hawkman, uh, as an infected, <laughs> that can't be good. No. I mean, he's, he's, he's raging a bottle, dude. Uh, Hawkman is gonna mess some stuff up, especially as one of the blighted ones. Um, uh, there was something about this issue, the way that it was told, that allowed the whole story to be done in one issue, and, but it was done in like a flashback. Yeah. It it felt like a flashback more so than the rest of the series did, even though the whole series is a flashback. So it kind of... end of the issue? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it kind of threw me off, but it was still really good. Um, I say to Tom Taylor and his creative team, keep up the good work. I can't wait to read the next one next week. I'm glad that he's also incorporating his, um, suicide, his Suicide Squad roster onto his books, especially how that book is going to be ending soon. At least I can still catch those characters that I now began to um, grow in love in these books. Yeah, I'm really bummed out about the Suicide Squad thing not carrying on. I do hope that that is a book that comes back, comes back rather quickly. Oh, that's my and favorite book in all of comics right now. It, it's 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 done so damn well. Uh, it really is. Every character is amazing, but we can talk about that when the, when we get the next issue. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Now. What's your guess on how long do you think this run, um, hold by what, and is going to even go for? This is issue seven. I'm, I'm assuming that we're probably going to get 12 out of this. 
Um, uh, Maxi then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can yeah that's, that. that's, that's what I'm assuming. Or, you know what? I mean, forget assuming. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm not going to lie. I'm hoping it'll be 12 issues. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see, like, how it goes from, like, from that ending, who still survives, and who will we see in, like, the current, um, DC's book. But, man, that was awesome, though. I was, like, of Green, uh, Green Canary, Superman, Manhunter, Cyborg. That's a nice I wish we got more of that. Just of that yeah. 14, that, that powerhouse. Would, that would be pretty cool. Uh, Black Lantern, or Black Lantern, geez. Black Canary as a Green Lantern is a pretty cool idea, too. Um, she's mm-hmm. got the right kind of personality for a power set like that. I wish they could make a um, Funko Pop with her because I would buy that in a heartbeat. Like that's a unique design that nobody would have I would have thought of, but yeah, he did it in one issue. Uh, well, I mean, if you're waiting for a Funko, I think the trick is you just have to wait long enough because they eventually <laughs> make one of everything. Oh, without now. <laughs> yeah. Very great issue. I'm curious to see where it's going to lead us with the ending of Super Pets. Yeah, Super Pets. Um, it's got me curious. I guess we're going to see what's up with that on the next issue. And I'm afraid of who's going to die then. Because people die in these books. I'm hoping it's not a dog. Well, a whole, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of, uh, people could have died in this one. And, and honestly, only Hawkman went away, so, um. Yet. Especially how the yeah. ending had the big army. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. We'll see what's going on. All right, so I suppose we'll get on um, on to our next book. Uh, oh, wait, we got to score it, too. Oh, yo, I forgot to score it. All right, so um, there were a couple of issues that I had with a little bit, and not very many, of course, um, but there was a couple of issues that I had uh, with a little bit of the artwork, but overall, this is this is another flawless, well, not flawless, but really good Tom Taylor production, and I'm going to give this score an eight out of ten. Yep, like I can see with the some of the art issues because I'm looking at one right now, um, but I'm giving it an eight point five. It definitely, I enjoyed the, all the characters that we got, great story, and just with a few of the art uh, mishaps. And easily an 8.5 out of 10. Alright then. Next up, the big book of the week itself. Dark Knight's Death Metal, issue number 3. Cover price, four ninety nine. dollars Really? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I uh, didn't right. know you had that there. You can continue. Oh, you got it. Um, Where's it? Up there, yeah. Wow, there's a lot of um, anchors and colors and wow. Um, then by Scott Slaughter Snyder and Greg Gorlord Capullo. Inks by Jonathan Glapian, covered by FCO Placencia, and the cover, the initial cover anyway, was done by Capullo Glapian and Placencia. All aboard! When the Justice League launches its assault on New Apocalypse. The team's goal is to free Superman from his solar prison. But it's all going off the rails when they learn that the Man of Steel is gone for good. 
thanks to the anti-life equation. Plus, the deep secret of the darkest night is revealed. But how much darker could the Batman Who Laughs possibly get? And don't miss the surprise return of everybody's favorite wannabe Robin. Alright, so issue number three starts out on Apocalypse. Uh, three dark Batman, a Brainiac version called The Collector, a Red Lantern version called Batrocitus, and an, I guess, Silver Surfer version called Night Glider? That's what I thought so, too. Yeah, that's, I can't think of anything other than that, uh, but uh, Night Glider, it made me think of Night Rider, that would have been a better one. But He needs a mashup with Kit. That's what he needs. From the Knight Rider TV show. <laughs> Alright, so, um, all these three different dark Batman, they're all looking at the wreckage of that giant Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, rocket robot thing <laughs> that was launched at them. And, uh, inside they find Jonah Hex. He's waiting for them to get close enough for him to jump out while pressing what looks to be a detonator button. And he blows the joint up. We next look in on Harley, Wonder Woman, and Swamp Thing acting as Diana's shield, and Batman racing underneath a swarm of para-robins. As Harley says, even evil Batman are really good about branding. (laughs) 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 They are on their way to try and rescue Superman from prison. That's when we see on the next page Superman, Superman being held in a giant machine by Dark Father. Dark Father, of course, is the dark side version of Batman. Dark's, dark Father has all kinds of different types of kryptonite built into this glass ceiling, and he's trying to burn out all of Superman's protective Kryptonian cells so that the anti-life will consume him. Wonder Woman, Batman, Swamp Thing, and Harley bust open a wall, and Dark Father orders the Peril Robins to attack. Superman's arm is messed up. It looks like it's Darkseid's, or maybe even Doomsday's arm. But uh, Bruce is busy trying to free Superman from the machine, and Dark Father pulls a gun on him. Not just any gun, but apparently a better version, he says, of the one that Darkseid shot Batman with before. But this one will erase him from history. No one will even remember him. Here's the key thing, though. Uh, Batman actually wasn't shot by Darkseid. Uh, Batman shot Darkseid before uh, with the gun and saved the world. And he got hit simultaneously with Omega Beams that set him spiraling through time. So, little mess up here. And I'm not used to seeing that from Scott Snyder. Uh, maybe I gloss over his stuff a little bit more, but, um, I've, I've never seen something quite so glaring stick out before as far as a continuity error like that. Uh, so that, that did surprise me. But anyway, this gun, if once he shoots Batman, uh, will erase Batman from history. No one but the dark multiverse will remember him. And Batman steps in front of Superman anyway and takes the shot. Uh, Batman collapses, but then he calls for Clark. Dark Father is confused as to how he's no longer weak, and Superman explains that Batman's Black Lantern ring controls dead things, so he just told it to stop the transformation. Uh, Superman asks if Wonder Woman knows the truth about Batman, and Batman replies that no more that she knows the truth about you. Uh, 
they say that they're going to break all their friends out of prison and Superman knows exactly where that is. So they, uh, uh, we, next we turn over to the, uh, we turn the page over to see Lobo in the fifth dimension where he's doing more scavenging or hunting, uh, with a machine gun against <laughs> a bunch of, uh, things that look like they belong in a kid's show. A very rated R kid's show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, once the machine guns showed up, yeah. Uh, the next page is, the next page is of the JSA. Uh, Barry and Wally in the secret bunker under the graveyard. There's a very large rumble, and Dr. Fate says someone is coming through a portal, but he's a little confused because no one's supposed to be able to do that. Surprise, surprise! It's the Robin King. He somehow talks like a normal person now. No more crow talk. He introduces him himself. He gets a little excuse me, facetious. Uh, he's quite the smart aleck. And he says, well, hey, I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to watch him do it. And somehow Barry knows that it's the Batman who laughs or whatever he's become that's coming through the portal next. They know that he must be after Wally's slice of Manhattan power. So the three flashes, Wally, Barry, and Jay, run through a portal opened by Dr. Fate. The Darkest Knight, formerly the Batman who laughs, is chasing them through the portal and he's gaining on them. They decide to combine their powers to be able to outrun him. Then we see back to New Apocalypse in the five heroes, Superman, Batman, Harley, Swamp Thing, and Wonder Woman, free their friends from prison. They all look normal, not infected. Yeah, creepy. They all look creepy. Yeah, they're, they're all really super happy. It looks like a late 80s, early 90s group picture of superheroes where everybody's always smiling. And it, it doesn't look like they've been sitting in, in a, a prison on New Apocalypse for no. God knows how long. And a few of them look a little bit like D.H. a little bit, like um John and um Guy. Like yeah. they look a little bit younger. They they do. Uh, uh, most of them are smiling. Uh, maybe because they're happy to be rescued. I'm not sure. Uh, Wonder Woman tells all of them that uh, that their plan is to to save everything, to bring all the planets back and undo everything that was done. She details that they need to direct the energy into Wally so he can recreate the universe. The lanterns will all go after the antennas that feed perpetual her power, while Martian Manhunter will lead a team that attacks her throne that receives the power, and the Flashes will do everything they can to keep Wally safe. In the meantime, Wonder Woman's team will sneak into the Dark Universe through the portal under Castle Bat. When she's asked how they are going to sneak in, she says that they need to enlist the most powerful hero among them, that's when we see Jaro, who considers Batman to be his dad, and that's who Diana is talking about. The plan is to have Jaro psychically block the Darkest Knight and the evil Batman from detecting Wonder Woman's team while inside of Castle Bat. Everyone seems on board, and they do an all-in thing with their hands. We go back to Lobo and see him talking to somebody that isn't there, and Lobo's saying, I... I hope these little things are worth it. And the voice says back to him, They're more than worth it. I'm sure of it. 
We turn the last page and find out who that voice belongs to as it continues. As sure as my name is Lex Luthor. We also find out that the things Lobo has been looking for are pieces of death metal. And Luther plans on changing the story of the universe once and for all. So this was a normal sized issue. But with everything that happened inside, it felt like I was reading for a really long time. And yeah. I think that's because I got lost in the story. It got real deep. Um, a few pages. It, yeah, it got a little bit a lot with the um, dialogue and the narrative. It did. It got a little deep. It got a little uh, dense. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't mind it because I was, I was I'm, I'm along for the ride, man. Uh, there was a lot of people that were picking the, the death metal story apart. Because of how silly it is, and I'm 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 constantly reminding people that I speak with that uh, we were told it was going to be silly. Mm. We were told it was going to be crazy and over the top and and things we've never seen before. And so great, that's what we're seeing. Quit quit picking that apart. You're complaining about something you saw in a comic book that you paid for that you were told ahead of time you were going to see in that comic book you're going to pay for quit complaining about it um it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me to to whine but uh it was it was a normal sized issue but it just it felt like i got lost in there um i know i've said this before but this is my absolute favorite way to, to have wonder woman drawn and scripted uh the artwork i think is phenomenal the story has very few hiccups. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a little late, but just flipping through the pages. <laughs> um, I can't seem to find anything I really don't like. I'm still not a fan of the Robin King thing, just because the whole thing doesn't make sense. All of a sudden, he can walk upright, and he talks normal, and he doesn't yeah. say, crow, crow, crow. And he, I mean, but, but other than that, this issue has exceeded every expectation that I had for it. I'm really excited to see what happens in issue number four and to see where all of this is finally headed because I feel like the ball is now it's rolling. Mm. Uh, um, it's really hard for me to figure out the right number to throw on for a score for this uh, because it's not, it's not a perfect 10, but you know, I mean, okay, I'm, I was trying to decide whether or not I should do 9.5, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm giving this issue a 9.5. I think it is the, the, the right direction for the story to take. And I think it set us up for the remainder of things to come. Again, the art was great. They brought Jaro back and I love Jaro. (laughs) I'm so glad they brought him back. Um, so, uh, yeah, all the way, um, 9.5 out of 10. Issue one of this um, event, uh, I thought it was a little bit overrated. Issue two, I was like, okay, this is okay. But issue three got me back on board of the Death Metal Train. It, glad that this event is bringing all the characters into it. This is what we saw. We see the characters being released. We're now seeing the whole... It was, you know, we're seeing all the DC characters being into the event now. Before, it was mainly just the main characters. Like, it was mainly just Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. But now yep. we have the whole yep. roster. 
this is a DC event, it should have the DC characters. And um, now, do you think the box that Lobo has is the same box Green Arrow had? That's a good question, and I hadn't considered that. Didn't Scott Snyder also do that one, too? The No Justice? Oh, yes. Yes, he did. So I kind of wonder if maybe, because I was hoping that we would see that box eventually, and that's my only guess is maybe this that box is this box, especially how um when he opens a, a tab bit, it does turn a little bit green. Maybe that's just like a nod for Green Arrow when we saw it last. Possibly. It does say on the last page here that um, Luther tells us that it's death metal. Um, so, um, as far as what Ollie had in, in, in that box, I'm not sure what that was, but, uh, it's definitely death metal here. At least, at least that's what Luther's telling us anyway. But we really hope that also Swamp Thing carries on to the, um, rest of the event as part of Diana's shield, because I think that was a pretty cool design. I hope that we see Swamp Thing into transform into other like um, designs for the characters that we see them use. I, I I'm digging he needs it. His spot in the yeah, I, I I like I like Swamp Thing. Um, I love Swamp Thing in the whole uh, when they when when the new Fifty Two came back out and uh, we started using avatars of the red and the green. With uh, Buddy Baker, Animal Man, and Swamp Thing, uh, when that stuff started kicking off, I thought that was so good. Um, I wish that more people enjoyed it because I really did, and um, I it 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 remade me a fan of Swamp Thing, and I was already a fan. Uh, I I think that what we've seen. Swamp Thing grow into over the course of the last few years in DC Comics, it's about time for him to have his uh, his run at comics again, being mm. the the main character. I would have no problems with Anton Arcane. Definitely, Abby Arcane has to be there. Uh, Swamp Thing, of course, uh, the other parliaments, the avatars of the other parliaments that are out there uh, that we've seen recently introduced. Uh, introduced in the JLD, um, I think we it would be great to see a story arc or a book that focused solely on those and really got into it. Uh, and I'm talking like a 25 issue run that would be amazing. As long as they could keep it up, that that'd be that'd be fantastic. Oh no! Maybe after um, Death Metal, we will see him actually get in the book that he deserves. He is, he's been in the book since, um, issue one or so. Maybe that'll be a sign that he will be a big character into this event. That'll lead him into being a big character into the DC universe as a whole. Well, I hope you're right. But yeah, as you're saying with, like, um, all the, like, funny silliness in the book, I feel like that, um, this book did the best at being funny silly at the minimum with that page of um Lobo in the fifth dimension like that was just a funny page but it wasn't too overly funny it was just right enough yeah like just with the page with him just killing those like soldiers and you just see like the pa- the panels above him it was like 
I had a almond. I had a um chocolate, and I hope that all the sadness we see, he's a little bit of part, part of it. Oh yeah, just because with his attitude as well. Absolutely, I mean he's Lobo. But I'm very hoping that in the future we. I'm just not digging the um the the JSA as the designs. So I'm hoping in the future we see them get a little bit like not as thin. Like as we saw in um Hawkman th- this week, how Wildcat he was like full on buff. He had like he was thick. He had muscles. This one is about the size of like a toothpick. Well, yeah, but they're sig- excuse me, they're significantly older in death metal. Because they've aged. We haven't had the de-aging process go on here. Uh, these people have been hiding out in the secret bunker under a graveyard for quite a while. Uh, they're, they're up there in age. At least that's the way I've been taking it, is that we're looking at people who are senior citizens here. You know, um, probably 70 years plus. But be, I'm hoping that maybe by issue, end of next issue, or when the... Um, tie-ins we see them going back to the prime and being like a main figurehead as well towards the tail end of this event yep i'm gonna agree with you there what did you rate this one i would probably give this one a nine out of ten nine out of ten sounds good man i was not all for this event before this issue but after this issue i'm full on as soon as we saw that page with all the characters I'm like, yes, yes. Bring in the DC characters into this DC event. Uh, even if we don't get to see everybody play a part in it, it would be nice to see a wider team. Yeah. See what, like, to see what yeah. Snyder takes advantage of with that. Yeah, like, show us all the toys that you're, you're, you're working with. And I'm glad that they did bring back Jaro. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. when you see that page with him... In jail, in his costume, just looking up at Bruce and their reactions. Like, man, you you just brought back the best part of your run. Mm-hmm. His reactions with Batman. Dad? <laughs> not Shh, don't tell me that. No, no. But not for the fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, man. But I kind of hope in the near future we do get um the design of Wonder Woman's hair like that. Permanently, I do dig the the blue at the bottom. Yeah, I'm digging. I'm I'm digging her hair. I'm digging the way that they draw her face, her body. It's not overly sexual. No, it doesn't yeah. need to be. She looks strong. She looks buff. She doesn't look like She Hulk, but she doesn't need to either. Um, it's just it's my favorite way to see her drawn. Um, it uh, the art in all of this. Like I could t- I could take each and every single one of these characters and go, yep, you can do them like that forever. Yep, you can do them like that forever. Um, to be honest with you, I'm almost the exact same way with just about anything Jim Lee draws. Like, I could I could take anything he does all of the time. I'm totally happy with oh, yeah. it. Uh, uh, Jorge Jimenez, too. He's just he's just one of those, those artists that no matter, I could read I could read 20 comics a week and do it every single week for the rest of my life. And if the art looked like the art from Capullo, Jim Lee, or Jimenez, every single issue, all of the time, 
you would never hear Evan. Not half of the podcast, half of my recap would be gone because I would just go same as always. Art's amazing, <laughs> and then it would carry on, and we would go talk about the plot. Um, <laughs> and I think that's about it for that one. Well, I'm glad that they did bring back um, Lexo. I was wondering when we were going to show when he was going to show up again, and now we do. Yeah, with that scarred face of his looking like Jonah Hex, isn't that lovely? Now we still have um one, two, three, four, four more months of this event too. We do. There's we do have a break month coming up here, and then another uh, three months. We've got a lot of tie-in issues. We've got a lot of stuff to uh, spend money on. Uh, all I've got to say is. I know that a lot of these tie-in issues aren't done yet. They damn well better be better than the last one. Because that one pissed me off. It wasn't any oh, good. There was a Legends, of the, Legend, Legend, Legends hmm. of the Dark Knight was nothing but a money grab. and it, Without a doubt. I'm not going to go back in onto the full thing because I think I did a fair enough rip into it on the last podcast. But the whole... Robin King art, Rossimo should be allowed to draw comic books. Um, the whole changing the backstory for the Robin King after we were just given it, none of that made sense. None of the other stories were integral or important. They were cute little fun, neat little things. Um, I don't know about Bat Baby. You had mentioned Bat Baby, uh, possibly showing up later in the future on our uh, when we talked about it last uh, uh, not here on the podcast but off of it we were talking about it and you had said you, you wouldn't be surprised to see Bat Baby showing back up in here Yeah, uh, I, I hadn't thought of that I thought that was just another offhand strange alternate Batman but uh, um It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. If 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 Baby Batman does come back, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the rest of Death Metal to begin with. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know I know that you're looking forward to it. And I am. The next issue or the next um, tie-in is called Death Metal Guidebook, so I'm really looking forward to that one too. So maybe this will give like people like me that like not 100 percent sure on what's going on or so. This might be the, hopefully this is the key that will bring us into the know-how. To show us more into what's the scope of everything, what's been happening since the, maybe since the end of Justice League. Till we saw them, like, this issue or so. Hopefully long, this guidebook answers the questions. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't want it to be a book of recap pages of, mm. of, of either stuff we already know. Or don't need to know, or 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 isn't uh, don't need to know because the characters aren't even alive anymore. Um, they they survived two issues and died. I mean, just make it worth our time to spend the extra money. That's all I'm saying, DC. Okay. And now, um, we said this was four nine nine. Yes, sir. And in your opinion, do you, do you think this is this was worth the price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would have definitely bought this 
at a $5 issue. Uh, I did. I would recommend it if you're into DC Comics at all. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And, um, yeah, absolutely two thumbs up. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, this is, like, a great issue. Like I said, this is probably my favorite issue of the event so far. All right. Um, something I'd like to do with Anthony at the end of every episode is ask him to tell me what his favorite book is, a book or two, and why. Favorite book of the week or favorite book in general? Favorite book of the week. Favorite book of the week. Would either have to go with Dark Knight's Death Note number three or Hawkman number 26. Both 9 out of 10s, both great, both want me to read the next issue. They both have great, uh, um, as we're talking about in Hawkman number, um, 26, that ending, as I just watched the TV show Stargirl, um, all about the JSA right now. I've been also reading some of Jeff John's, um, JSA, digging that. So to see them again come back is just amazing. To finally see them get the limelight again to show readers like me and readers who came in either in Rebirth, or New 52, all these legendary characters, these characters who should be high up there, but are not. And even with this book, we're still seeing those characters, which I still believe in the next cup, sometime in this event, we will see them at their prime, just kicking some bud. Well, I hope you're right about that. <laughs> oh yeah, I will not, I will be shocked if we don't see them a, um, age to their prime because I do think that um, post death metal we will see a JSA book I think Hawkman's gonna end with them on the team but then post death metal we'll see a JSA book with um, Hawkman on the, the team and that'll be a continuation from basically the Hawkman run alright I totally am with you on that one. I'd have to give it a straight-up tie between the two that you mentioned as well. Death Metal number 3 was a great issue. Hawkman, again, that was an amazing issue. And I, again, uh, Mariko Tamaki, I am sorry for doubting what you can do on Wonder Woman. Please don't leave the book. As long as the rest of them looks like this, I am going to be buying that one for a long time. Mm, maybe I should check it out then. Uh, mm. Go ahead and pick up the last couple of issues. Like a and uh, get back into the thing. You probably almost skipped the first one, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 worth it to read this one. It really is. And that's the show. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, you can feel free to reach out and contact us at any time. We love talking about this stuff with people. Comic book, comic book, movies, pop culture in general. General. <laughs> Visit our website at nagobotpodcast.com to get lots more content and contact us. You can link up with our social media, subscribe to our Patreon page, which will have more and more content as the show goes on, and even submit show mail that we can respond to right on the show. Just visit our website and you can access all from right there. That's nagobotpodcast.com. Remember, by joining our Patreon, you can get access to our podcast days before they're released anywhere else. Thanks again to the Weird Science Podcast crew.
Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Domo, what he got?